from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction of any kind or those searching for a better way to live. Rich and Susan Collenberg found freedom from drug addiction and alcoholism over two decades ago. In the series, The Temple of the Mind, they examine the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, and other Bible passages to show how God uses His Holy Word in the events and trials of life to prepare hearts and minds to be the temple of His Holy Spirit. Take every thought captive now on Freedom to Choose. Thy kingdom come, thy Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And we would like to welcome you to Freedom to Choose once again and our new series, The Temple of the Mind. And we are on program number three, Blessed Are Those That Mourn. So um, the title, The Temple of the Mind, I think is a is a, a really good metaphor for um, the content, what we're covering now because um, God desires to sit on the the throne of our hearts yes. i.e the the you know to occupy the space in our minds so that we can have a mind like his so that we can act like him and get to be more like him yes so yes that temple of the mind I think is a really good um, yeah it's a great word picture isn't it yeah yeah um okay before we get started Susan would you uh, open with a word of prayer please yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you once again for another opportunity to come and explore the um, the lessons and the principles that you have laid out from the beginning of time in order for us to um, understand how our minds need to be transformed and how you are willing to do that work to get it done in cooperation with us and the Holy Spirit and we just pray right now that you will send that Holy Spirit to be with us and everyone listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Susan. Mm -hmm. So why are we going through the Beatitudes and talking about the temple of the mind? For one, one reason, Jesus is illustrating character traits as we go through this that don't incur guilt. See, bad character traits, um, we do bad things, we incur guilt— we feel shameful, we run, we hide from God. And I think as we're going we're gonna to notice, as he goes through the Beatitudes, it's, it's character development is what he's talking about. And so we're going to so break them down. character development and probably maturity? Maturity. We can say maturity. Um, you know— uh, So because, you know, you said about character traits, so why— what is so important about character? Well, kind of as you mentioned earlier, we are the dwelling place of God, and God doesn't force his way into places he's not welcome. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Do you not know you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Now, if God's a gentleman and he doesn't go where he's not welcome, we need to provide a welcoming 
atmosphere for him. Right, and that was First Corinthians three sixteen. I'm sorry, what did what? I did I First Corinthians thirteen? Oh, I vapor locked yeah. on that. Okay, yeah. So yeah, First Corinthians three sixteen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as we're going through the Beatitudes, um, Jesus is describing. Um, the Beatitudes and how contrary they are to our human nature. Mm-hmm. So why is that? Why? why, is why? It? So it's kind of like, you know what, I think I think even as Christians, we can go through life and we can have a heart that's for God and we can, um, you know, check out all the boxes. We attend church. We, um, you know, teach our children about Christianity and we we do our best. I mean, there's all kinds of lists that you can go through and check off all the boxes. But if the character hasn't been transformed, if the character doesn't continue to mature on a daily basis, then um, I think that's an issue. So I think we all go along in life with a human nature that's never been touched by the hand of God. Mm, Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Even as Christians, we can we, we can, can be faked out, right? Um, I, I always like to go back to to Eden. Remember Adam when he broke trust with God. He didn't break a rule. He broke trust. Mm-hmm. You know, God said, "Either listen to me or listen to." the devil. Right. You know, either I'm true or he's true. And Adam broke trust and he said, well, maybe the devil's right about this. I'm going to go ahead and ignore what God says. He broke trust with God. He became afraid and separated himself from God. And from then on, the human race has had a fearful brain. Human nature runs on fear, fear of being caught, fear of being exposed, fear of not measuring up, fear of what others might say, etc., etc., etc. And with all this fear, we all act out in very similar ways. We we act out in in, in all kinds of addictions. In, in, in ways that... Uh in ad- in addictions, but also ways that are um, selfish and self motivating. You know what I mean? Yeah, because self centered. Yeah, motivation. we're trying to protect ourselves. Right. Yeah, and it- so, so that you can go back to. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but you can go back to Eden, and as soon as God asked him, "What have you done?" He's like, "The wife that you gave, yeah, the woman exactly. you gave it me." It wasn't my fault. Right. That's what we inherited, right. and I don't think we even realize we do it. Right. See, and God wants to eradicate us from that, from blaming others, because when we do blame others for stuff that we should own, believe it or not, that incurs guilt. We don't even see it. And so when we when we do that, when we create those acts, that incurs guilt, and that wrongdoing is something that is damaging. It's like a... Um, it's like a cancer mm-hmm. inside the heart, inside the mind, inside the brain, that if you continue to allow that to fester, eventually, if you're left to your own devices, it will kill you. It, yeah, you become you, that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and now remember in Pentecost, cloven tongues of fire. Cloven means two. And what those cloven tongues of fire were, were truth and love. Mm-hmm. See? And, and so we can let the truth hurt now and let it transform us. You know, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right. And so when the mm-hmm. when the truth transforms us, yeah, it's painful. Pain means there's something wrong. And so when the truth hits it, but when it's spoken of in love, truth in love is painful, but it transforms us. Or we can wait till later and not be transformed, and then all that unadulterated truth, that's when they cry for the for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them. 
because they're afraid of God, they haven't been transformed. Right. And and I think, too, that maybe the guilt and the shame of, I wonder, so I wonder, does the guilt and shame come at that point where they say, wow, I had an opportunity, yeah. but I chose not to. I, I ch- wonder if at that time in Earth's history, those who chose not God's ways and chose not to be transformed actually experienced that well, as part it, of that painful... That's Yeah, but they have ignored love, truth and love for so long that they lose the very it's capacity like callous, to love. Right. It's you know, like that's, that's grieving the Holy Spirit. Right. When you grieve it for so long, you're trans... You know, that's why Satan is not saved. Right. You know, he was God's right-hand man. He was God's mouthpiece. He took one-third of God's most brilliant beings and sold them on a package of God that wasn't true. Right. And so he is he he believes his own propaganda. And so the thing is is that God was the same to Lucifer and the angels that chose to go away from him. He was the same God to the rest of the angels. Mhm. Same it's, God, he right, didn't change. Was, the the iniquity came up with him. It's kind of like, you know, when you have boiling water, you can put an egg in and it gets hard. You put a potato in and it, it gets, gets soft. soft. It just And depends. so it's 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 not God that's causing things, it's our choices. Our human heart. Right. Rejecting that, truth truth spoken in love. Right, that's supposed and, to heal us. And this is what happened when Jesus was hanging on the cross, and he forgave those people who put him there. Right. And when Stephen talked about it, they stopped their ears and didn't want to hear about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is when we get so settled into the lie about God that we can't be moved. Mm-hmm. And this is the sad thing. This is the wages of sin, is death. I, it's I think scary. That, I think a really good um, uh, point or an attribute to be able to hang on is that God desires that none should perish. Exactly. You know what I mean? And so not everybody's path is the same. Some of our paths are are up and down. Some are just straight across with, doesn't seem like there's much of an incline, but God knows the individual heart and continues to work with people. And so regardless of where you're at with your experience with God, it's not a, it's not something that you attain to that you arrive at, at some place in your life where you're, you're good to go. It's this continuous relationship with God. Mm-hmm. It's a daily interaction. It's a daily with interaction. Him. Right. And he knows your ups and downs. He knows the chemical. He knows the synapses in your brain. Right. He knows what you've been through. He knows the lens you're looking through. And he knows your past experiences yeah. that have caused the lenses that you're looking through. Right. And he, he and, can have, he can reach and he can have sympathy. Whereas yeah. as human beings, we see, we don't. right, we see lost causes or, you know, um, we see the, we, we see, see the beam in their eye, not right. in ours. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to go on to Matthew 5, 4, and the scripture is, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Yeah, it's a great text. What does it mean? Well, the mourning that Jesus is talking about here is a true sorrow for sin. Jesus says, If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. As one's attracted to behold Jesus, uplifted on the cross, he or she is able to discern the sinfulness of humanity. We actually can see this. It was it was sin. It was this tailspin that humanity is that tormented Jesus. That he, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he he was clinging to the ground and and praying, God, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But 
from me, but not my will, thy will, because these human beings, you know, they don't know what they do, and they're messed up. Right, and so we see that while we've been loved with unspeakable tenderness, our lives have been a continual scene of ingratitude and rebellion. Have we forsaken our best friend and abused heaven's most precious gift? I think that's what we all need to ask ourselves. And and do we truly understand, um, you know, when he says about mourning? Right, um, that that's what you know, it what is. What does that mean? Right. Yeah, I mean, really, when you you asked the question, are we in it for Jesus, or are I mean, what are we in this thing called life for? To make money? To be more popular? Be liked by everyone? Are we in this thing to continually strive to look young? Are we in it for the pat on the back, for the nice retirement, to prove that we're right and everybody else that doesn't believe like us is wrong? What are we in it for? Are we in it to divide the people of this planet into groups so that our group can be right, the other group can be wrong, us versus them? If I'm right and God's with me, then you must be wrong. And guess who's with you if God is with me? Is that what we're in it for? What are, are we in it for Jesus? What are we, what are we in this thing for? Right. And I think that um, as you go through life, you find yourself, you know, unless you're super connected to God all the time, you can, be get, you can get swept up with the cares of this world. You can get swept up with, you know, what popular... Um, culture is saying you need to be or you should be or you want to be. I remember that, you know, when I was going to um, um, go to school and not work, my mom was a very concerned because the era that she grew up, she was taught, you know, that a woman should always work and, and care and have that ability to care for herself just in case, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was really backwards to to them when I wasn't going to work and rely solely on your um, mm-hmm. salary. It's kind of right. like I really appreciate women that stay home and take care of their kids, that, you know, it, if that's possible. Well, I, I appreciate it because my job works because my wife takes care of me, and that's Aww. the only reason why. Aww. You know, a guy, I mean, I don't know about... Men listening out there, but sometimes all we want is a pat on the back. And, and, you know, sometimes it's as simple as that. I know women, they want to be heard. They don't want the problems fixed. Uh You know, that's Uh basically it in a nutshell. And sometimes all a guy wants is, hey, yeah, the path you're on, you're trying hard, you're doing good. Right. That's all a guy wants sometimes. And it's a really good pairing Mm -hmm. it teaches the man to listen and it teaches the woman that even though the even though a guy like me can get off kilter and go try to record some music or go try to do that i still got support right you know i've still got support to do those crazy things that i want to do as long as they're not sinful you know what i'm saying right and so um well and i think too is that you know as you as you continue to grow in your Christian experience, you start to look at things in a different way. And, and um, like with the music, you know, you've decided to go do this music and I've seen this, this blossoming of your whole personality and knowing that it's blessing people and it's, it's really good music and it's this creativity, a gift that God's given you that, um, you know, you want to be able to, you know, in, in our stage in life, you want to be able to do things that are bring a positive force into the world. Make the world a better place. Right. That's, mm-hmm. you know, and if we think about it, um, uh, 
it's better in a team to do that. Right. So, you know, when Susan supports me and then, of course, things that she does with our ministry makes the world a better place. And so uh, it's up to me to support her in that. And I mean, you want to you want to have a good marriage, get into ministry together. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just or get into a ministry on your own that you have, you know, each of you, as long as you're, you know, I I'm. Richard recommended a book for me to listen to, and this book is is just really focusing on um, self-centeredness and how um, we have lost the ability, and we can talk about mourning. We, we lose the ability to um, uh, mourn for people who need help because we're so self-centered mm-hmm. and our goals and our wants and our desires that we lose that very capacity yeah. to be compassionate and to be caring and to do active things to help someone else. Yeah. You know, I, I, with me, I, I don't know how many times a day I got to say, Rich, put the microscope away. Mm-hmm. What are you, what are you looking over there for? What's, why does right. that bug you? Right. What, uh, come on. What on earth is going on right. here. Let's look at the big picture. What are you in this for? Mm-hmm. There's a whole eternity. There's a lot of people that are really hurting out there. Why are you looking over there and picking that apart, you know? Or why are you so invested in that, you know? Right. And so, you know, the question is, do we mourn for ourselves and for other sin sick people like Jesus does? Um, this kind of mourning shall be comforted. God reveals to us our guilt so that we will run to Jesus and that through him we can be set free of the bondage of sin and we can rejoice in freedom. In true remorse, we can come to the foot of the cross and leave our burdens there. That's that's so true. The Lord's words have a message of comfort to those who are suffering affliction or bereavement. Our sorrows, they don't spring out of the ground. God doesn't or the Bible says, doth not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men, Lamentations 3.33. When he permits trials and afflictions, it's for our benefit, Ah. so that we might be partakers of his holiness. That's Hebrews 12.10. You can see the framing of the character there in Hebrews. Right, and I think, and so if it's received in faith, a trial that seems so bitter and hard to bear at the time will prove to be a blessing. How many of us are there who would, are there who would never have known Jesus had not sorrow led to it, lead us to seek comfort in him? The trials of life are God's workmanship to remove the impurities and roughness of our character. Okay, and I'm going to no, set my wife up here. That, that's okay. I'm ready. What was the best day of your life? The best day of my life was the last time I went to jail. What was the worst day of your life? Probably the day before. Going yeah, or the to jail. same day, yeah, right? Because right. in your mind, right. it was the worst day, but right. it turned out to be the best day. Right. And you know, and so I was thinking because he said, you know, let's let's talk about that and all the things that were your trial. You know, when I um, when I got into jail, you know, you go into different areas. If you're in, you know, certain areas, you have to work or whatever. You stay in a cell or and and then you're assigned positions. And I really, I wanted, I wanted it so bad to be on the Caltrans crew because Caltrans means you get to wear jeans. And you got to wear a, a like a blue flannel shirt, and you could leave the jail mm-hmm. during the daytime hours, and you'd go pick up trash and mm-hmm. 
word is is that they always gave kind of goodies to people Mm -hmm. and they got sodas to drink because when I was in jail they didn't have any of that and lo and behold instead of getting on that um, crew I was put in the laundry Mm -hmm. and I thought this is this is terrible you know to have to be touching everybody's dirty filthy clothes whether it had lice or from Mm -hmm. the coroner's office or whatever but you know what I realized is that God knew exactly what I needed Mm -hmm. And so through that trial, I was able to stay away from the garbage going on. Right. You know, I had my own place. I could go back to the laundry room anytime I wanted to for solitude. And um, it just gave, it was like the perfect, perfect thing. So what you wanted was wrong. God had exactly. Exactly what what I needed. Everything is backwards. And, you know, because we have these natures that think that we know what we need. Right, because had I gone on that road crew, my nature of self- You would have fed it. it, it yeah, it would have smoked cigarettes. It would have done whatever yeah. there yeah. was available to get, you know, get away with stuff. In this way, I was held finally held accountable, mm-hmm. and I had to participate. Yeah, let's call it carving, squaring, and chiseling. The burnishing and the polishing, it's a painful process. It's hard to be pressed down to the grinding wheel. But the stone is brought forth, prepared to fill its place in the heavenly temple. Our temples are to fit in a much larger one. There's, it's a big picture. We are, as Paul says, living stones. Right. And living his, stones. And his precious stones are polished after the likeness of a palace. The Lord will work all, for all who put their trust in him. Precious victories will be gained by the faithful, and precious lessons will be learned. Precious experiences will be realized. Yeah, you know, it's hard to be um, put down to the grinding stone. It's hard to be polished. It's hard to— We like those sharp points on our characters. Yeah, we like to be—our nature is to be hardened. Our nature likes revenge. Our nature loves to criticize. Our nature likes to To be puffed up, likes to sit at the top of the hill, Not doesn't want to do the work at the bottom of the hill. It wants the glory of being at the top of the mountain. Right. You know, and we have all of these, these nature, these natural inclinations that we have that, that really can get us off track if we don't spend time with God every day talking about these types of things, about how to make the mind healthy Mm -hmm. and why. Right. You know, it is it is important because, like Paul says, the good that I want to do, that I don't do. And that that I don't want to do, that's what I do. So he has to keep focused, and he says, thank God there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. He knows my nature. He knows I'm going to make mistakes, but he also knows I rejoice in the law that it is good. Right. And so... We have, and if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against, can us, be against right? us? It's just a beautiful passage. It it basically shows the wrestling match that Paul had with his human nature, mm-hmm. and the wrestling match that it, it runs parallel with with our little wrestling match that we have. And so I I just thought it was fascinating uh, to see the 180 degree uh, when you when you start looking through this lens with the cloven tongues of fire and the truth spoken in love, when I ask you what was the best day of your life and the worst day of your life, they were the same day, Mm -hmm. depending on the time I ask you. If I asked you back in that day, what was the worst day of your life, you would have said the day I went to jail. Now I ask you, and it was the best day of your life. You know, it's, it's, Everything in God's world. It's it's perspective and it's maturity. Yeah, and so you can actually, 
change you can't change history, but you can definitely change your view on history. That's right. Depending on your willingness to let God into your heart and to say, yes, I, I see Jesus and I embrace him and I want to be like that. I really do. Right. So you get like new lenses to look at the world in a yeah. different light. Yeah. You know, there's, I can think of so many things that I've looked back on now that I had wrong, mm -hmm. but at the time I just knew I was right. And right. so my history has changed in my mind now, mm -hmm. and and in being and being wrong about things actually made other people look better now. Right? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They weren't the mean person that I thought they were. Mm -hmm. I was the tyrant. Mm -hmm. You see? And so this is a this is looking through that new lens. We are going to have to wrap it up, folks. Uh, if you need a resource, give us a call nine one six. Six four five one two nine seven. I almost gave my cell phone out there. Um, yeah, just give us a call. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be For listening to the Temple of the Mind on Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, could it be this simple, the way out of your prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.